Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 192, episode 3 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and we also like to say up top, fuck Black Rifle Coffee and all gun-based coffee companies. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Chuga Chaka Chuga Chuga <laughs> Chuga Chaka Chuga Chuga I'm chugged on a feeling uh, That is courtesy of Adnan at O-D-N-O-N And I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray One more time for the regional south of the United States I'll say it like this Bro, you do good once you vax that ass up Be a fine hey. motherfucker when you vax that ass up Call me to the party when you vax that ass up. Bro, who is you playing with? Vax that ass up. Now, I know you said I already did that one, but I'm doing this to celebrate the fact that Juvenile actually made a track with vax, vax that ass up. Yeah, yeah. Based off of the Christy Yamaguchi main, a.k.a. This is how it starts. This is how it ends. You come here for the nexus of culture. You're welcome. But again, shout out to you, Christy. Look at you. You did it as part of like a dating app, right? It was like for a dating app. Yeah. Trying to dangle. You use that carrot and that stick, so to speak. A lot of people using sex, you know, Mm -hmm. to to sway people, you know. Whatever it takes. Well, hey, Miles, Mm. we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the very talented comedian, activist, and writer, Derek Lamos! Hello, hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome, man. How are you doing? What's new? Oh, man. So, I, I, you know, I was cool all pandemic, like mostly cool, but I Mm -hmm. think I hit a wall the other day because I gave myself dude bangs. (laughs) Like, I (laughs) cut my beard off. Oh, and so now I'm just rocking. Yeah, I'm raw dogging the world and I don't like it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Your face is just out there. Yeah, this is just my face all the time. Like, there's a reason why I had the beard and you got to stick with it. Why, Why did you have the beard? I mean, you look fine right now. Yeah, you look good. It's it, you know it, it's like, just not it's what just, you're used to seeing. It's definition. It gives you you know when you get, when especially with after a fresh cut, like yeah, oh, you just, mm. yeah. I hear you, Derek. Hear you. you look good. Won't you back that ass up? Okay. <laughs> Won't you back that? <laughs> well, up? I did try. I did try. Uh, I did try the dad stash. Oh, I look like Ron Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> that like full on like end to end one. Yeah, the push broom. Oh, oh yeah, it's truly wild how much everybody looks the same when they have a mustache. Like I don't, I don't know if that's a problematic thing to say, but like I don't know how anyone told anyone apart in the 1800s when everybody had a everybody had a mustache. Because I feel like yeah, you either look like Ron Jeremy, Tom Selleck, or, or Yanni. Yanni. Yeah, or, like, yeah. <laughs> or like a picture of every person's dad from the 60s and 70s. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was your like? What was your energy when you looked? At, did you did it evoke someone for you in your life? You're like, oh, shit, I look like this person. Or were you? No, just I wish like, I did. Mm. Well, it was like so, you know, it was just been hella hot because thank you, climate change. You're welcome. I, like, I need to do something to my face because this is just too much because I'm also growing up my hair. So, you know, I it, I had a whole like. Haggard thing going, and it, just, it had to change. Right, Haggard uh, so from like, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, his neighbor Haggard. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to be sending kids owls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, the the you know, beards, easiest thing to go. You know, just let me let me jump in the, let me jump in the bathroom right quick, and I I did like the the goatee mustache combo, mm-hmm. and that was that was okay. It was like all right, some Inigo Montoya vibes. Like I, I can I can deal with that. Yeah. But it's still too damn hot, so get rid of that. And it's like, oh, okay, now you're like a chicken McNugget, right, <laughs> with curly hair. <laughs> so now I'm just here, just like rocking all, just like I said, raw dog in the world with my bare face, and I don't like it. Yeah, uh, I think well, it looks good, man. It. You look young, uh, which I'm sure people have told you the second. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's I mean, it's pure baby face. It's like, how old are you again? <laughs> right. right. They have people refusing to sell you like alcohol. They're like, no, this is fake, man. You look too young. I don't believe this shit. Yeah, yeah. All right, Derek, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Donald Trump is suing social media because he can't can't sue the clouds. He's he's (laughs) suing just social media. 
So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the National Review making a claim that they deserve sex, even though they're conservative. They're worried about that. We're going to talk about how America actually invented the residential schools program that uh, Canada's been getting a lot of coverage and national reckoning over public outrage. America invented that shit and had those same programs going on. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the NYPD's new program, the NYPD game truck, baby. Get ready for the... hmm? Oh, you don't know? NYPD game truck? Yeah, man. They've seen this succeed uh, for many years. The here, come into my shaded van with promises of things that kids like. And and so they're trying their hand at that with a uh, video game truck that they drive okay. around. And it's supposedly public outreach. People have reasons to be concerned. They're like, look, kids, we're not all bastards, are we? Because if we were, we wouldn't have this sick ass 2K rig in here, right? All right. Literally, literally, that's the that's the game plan. And we will talk about Shikari Richardson being just out of the Olympics, why the U.S. ATF is ridiculous and full of shit and why the Olympics are going to suck this year. All of that, plenty more. But first, Derek, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? I've been doing a, like a shit ton of cooking. Just like and you guys are going to have to come over and, and sample some of this delish. Okay? Wow. I mean, like I a ceviche. You, almost like you were saying cocaine. Uh, <laughs> doing a lot of cocaine. I've been doing a shit ton of cocaine. You know, uh, just all of the, yeah. <laughs> Just tons of cooking. So, like, right now I'm focusing. I bought, like, a couple books on, like, particularly, like, cuisine from Mexico. So, you know, I'm trying to tap back into, trying to tap back into those roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, made a ceviche, made, like, an aguachile, which is kind of the same thing, oh, but yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. Ooh. You know, chicken tinga. Like, I'm going to try and do some carnitas, like, Michoacan style for all the Michoacan folks okay. uh, who are listening to the podcast. Shout out. And is this a is this something that you're like? Are you a person who's very comfortable in the kitchen? Is this, is this something that comes natural to you, or are you? I am now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, before I don't uh, like. It's something that developed. I think so. Like for for a long time, like almost my entire twenties, I was living with my grandparents, and my grandma did a lot of the cooking. So you know, like when she died in 2019, it was kind of like a big moment of like certain things missing come like you know family time so right. like that christmas we normally got together in november started making tamales that didn't happen right you know like major holidays i mean obviously during the pandemic my family was like maybe should we and i kept being like no guys we should not right but you know the the desire to like get back together even for like this last easter break you know was was sort of there and like just like the family staples were missing and so i felt like well, I'm probably the next best cook, question mark. Mm, right. So I should, like, I should learn and I should, like, be able to, I mean, cook for myself, yeah. But, you know, more than just like, oh, here, let me make a turkey sandwich. Yeah. But, Try like, to preserve food is, your those traditions. Yeah. Food is love. Like, yeah. that's the, that, uh, I found that, like, that's the best way that I can show somebody, like, hey, I care about you. When you come to my home, let me cook you a meal, you know, kick back, like, let me, let me be a good host that's because dope. that's exactly like and who Derek, my grandparents were all about. Throughout all this, who's cooking for you though? Me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the same way. Me. I'm always cooking. And then I'm always like, damn, who's cooking for me? That's when I go to like Pollo La Brasa or something. I get my <laughs> chicken on because I can't stop eating that. But yeah, or I mean, take I, out. yeah, I totally understand like the familial traditions, especially like when you come from a family where food is such a big thing, like whether, especially on my dad's side, my grandfather's huge into barbecue. Like he's mm-hmm. had a barbecue restaurant was that's like part of the fabric of my family. And as he was getting older, he started making less barbecue. And that kind of like set off alarm bells for me before he passed away to like, be, like, I remember I made him make his sauce and I put it on camera because he's one of these old folks who just says like a little bit of this Doesn't measure and some of yet. that right. and this, and it tastes consistent every time. So I'm like, okay, mm. I just need to put a camera on this entire process so I can, you know, replicate his barbecue sauce accurately. And yeah, like there's no greater motivator than, you know, like right after my grandfather passed, we missed a few fa- 
like normal times we would get together. Mm -hmm. And I had to be like, yo, we need to get together real quick. Like we have to have a, we have to get together on Sunday to do something because we can't just let this element of the family just sort of disintegrate. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy how like, how grandparents tend to be the glue in a lot of family situations, you know, because they're the ones being like, all right, you need to make peace with your brother. You need to make peace with your sister. You guys need to talk this shit out. And then once they once they're gone, like, you know, beef just sort of simmers because there's nobody there who's like old enough, you know, because I can't tell my mom or I can't tell, you know, my family like, hey, y'all need to resolve this shit because that doesn't work because I'm the kid. They're like, shut up. You don't know anything. You know, you're 30. <laughs> what do you what know? Do you, know? <laughs> you look 12 with that baby face of yours. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just weird things that I've noticed. So it's it's like filling, like you were saying, just like filling in and trying to preserve those kinds of like traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Grandparents are just, it's just pure love. Like that's, it seems like it's like the peak human relationship because it's just like pure love. Like, no, they they don't like, have the fear and the anxiety and all all the weight that comes with like parenthood because they've just like been through that shit Mm -hmm. yeah or they're like oh they're like oh good another a second chance to do better with their kids right yeah (laughs) yeah exactly kind of winged it with their parents (laughs) (laughs) exactly what is something you think is overrated Derek? elon musk hands Mm. down hell yeah that man i i get hey he has i get that he has a you know tons of stands on twitter or whatever but like if, like objectively the dude is not a like a smart person and he's not a good person mm-hmm. like objectively we can just like look at like lay everything out on the table bar any of the the excuses yeah well what about yeah well what about it's like the dude didn't invent anything he's not tony stark we can stop calling him tony stark because he's not right. he's a dude who's been backed by blood money his entire life we can just like own that. And if you want to stand him for that, then just say that. But you need to own it. <laughs> I stand the blood money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My blood money king. Yeah. He, I think, is probably, if we had an official overrated as a podcast, or at least if I got to like choose it, Elon Musk would be, would be mine. Just the amount of cultural just energy that goes towards just loving on whatever whatever thing he's promoting uh whatever bullshit scam he's got going whatever relationship he's in like it's just yeah i mean ultimately like you know bitcoin we we can go back and forth on it all day like it's bad for the environment and the dude is ultimately only looking for himself like yeah he's gonna try and turn a profit dogecoin is what it is because of him yeah He's not in space. He's not going to be in space anytime soon. So you even call yourself a billionaire? He got that contract, though. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? That's right. Remember, Bezos was real tight about that because he was like, well, I should also, you can't just have one billionaire. You should share because we're billionaires. <laughs> right. We know that concept. Yeah, we're great at sharing. Okay. I love that this is the dystopia. It's it's like we still have, There's I mean, there's still a raging pandemic. There's still like global poverty on a on a on a level that like hasn't you. been seen in a long time. But then for these three guys, they're like, you know what? I think it's time we go to space. Yeah. yeah. Again, global poverty for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen my shit. I fucking cashed out on Doge right before I hit the stage on SNL, baby. I'm mm. all good. But yeah, that's a, it, it's, it is, again, it's just like that Gil Scott Heron, you know, Whitey's on the moon. Yeah. Uh, from, the, <laughs> from the 60s, basically saying, we got all these problems down here, but Whitey's on the moon. Okay. Yeah, and just the ambient, like, not just, like, covering shit for this show, but just, like, just ambiently, like, people who I encounter on a day-to-day basis. Like, the amount of respect they put on Elon Musk's name is just... Well, you know, because I think at the end of the day, like, because we don't realize that the underpinnings of our whole society is just basically surviving, it's not really that, like, you're living your life, not in this country, it's like, you have to survive because if you if the revenue thing shuts down, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. So like looking at these people who don't have the stress of survival is like they're like, oh, my God, that's the life. That's the life without really considering everything that's tied to that, which is we're stuck in a rat race where you're not being paid what you should be. And meanwhile, you're like <laughs> you're, you're bigging up the people that are siphoning your wealth. But I've heard people quote Elon Musk like he's a philosopher. 
Well, hold on. Let me clarify. I only said that because I thought it was really poignant. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is underrated, Derek? I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean hard on the dystopia thing. So, like, lean, lean. I I, my, I went full like conspiracy brain. I was watching a bunch of TikToks, and you know that like <laughs> uh, you know that one that that dude. I think is uh, he goes by Blackout. Is you know what's a conspiracy you one thousand percent believe is true, mm-hmm. even though like you can't prove it. I think. Like I was just watching all of these anti-abortion laws, you know, start popping up and like judges ruling in favor. There was like a there was like some dude who raped like a 12 year old and was able to like get custody of the kid or a partial custody. And it's like gross and disgusting. And obviously these laws are being put into place at the state level so they can get challenged and go to the Supreme Court with the with the conservative justices. And so it's like, well, what's the motive here? Like, what is the wire? What's the end game? And it's like the middle class was given up on 30 years ago, 40 years ago now. And America is slowly becoming just a cheap source of labor, like Mm -hmm. all of the right to work laws that kind of under undercut the minimum wage, the stagnation in wages while like prices, you know, just keep going through the roof, prices of of groceries, prices of, you know, rent. So like adding to that, women's or people who who can give birth adding the weight of having to give birth and and pay for children that you can't afford to have or don't Mm -hmm. want in your life like that's part of it makes you like indentured you know to whatever job you can afford to like like miles was saying just just survive like that's that's all you get Mm mm-hmm I just got done reading Octavia Butler's uh, Parable of the Sower, and it's scary, like, how accurate she is. Like, it only takes place five years from now. It takes place in 2026. Mm-hmm. But you can see a lot of the the sort of end-stage capitalist consequences that, like, that are in the book that are slowly kind of, like, unraveling right now. And it made me go, like, I need to get my passport. I need to, like, you yeah, know. Oct- Octavia Butler's writing will <laughs> fucking rip and make your mind explode. Yeah, because she bases everything in reality, so yeah. or at least this series. So it's not it's not outside of it's not too outside of fiction. It feels real. And she even said herself, like, "Oh yeah, I just took all of the modern problems that we have with like democratic inaction and mm-hmm. pushed them and and capitalist exploitation and kind of pushed them to the most logical end." Yeah. Oof. So the conspiracy is that the pro life movement is secretly a way for the kind of aristocracy to continue to like provide labor that they can exploit. Is that kind yeah, of, yeah, I th- yeah, I see, I see them. I see the former middle class of the United States being like, not to knock on develop developing nations or exploited nations, but like Malaysia or Indonesia where like factory jobs with shitty circumstances and shitty pay is all that you can get if you're lucky because mm-hmm. college is unaffordable or, you know, outside of your reach if you're not able to do it. Right. And, of course, all these abortion laws uh, apply only to the poor. They don't apply to the, the wealthy. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in, You'll always yeah, be able facto, to pay for an abortion. Yeah, because they can, right. they'll have the means to find a way to get access. Right. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. Hey, I just thought they wanted to make sure there's not there's enough good american people out there because i see the demographic numbers changing man Mm. 2040 baby yeah Mm. all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're back and there's a couple headlines about trump one question uh, i was actually talking to dramos about this do you think that Trump headlines are overblown at this point because people made their careers off of Trump headlines from 2016 to 2020. And now, like, they're trying to reach back and get that old hit. Or do you think like I part of me thinks that is going on, but I also recognize that he's about to be the presidential nominee for the Republican Party, like in our two party system, he's going to be running for president. So like i don't know still seems re- valid to me right it yeah, yeah. Uh, it you're right it it is valid but at the same time it it's like 
corporate media and the 24 hour news cycle like contributed to all of this. Yeah. You know, it's totally. like the fact that they constantly have to have ratings, that they constantly have to to justify the money that they're receiving from advertisers. So they make everything on like there's nothing that's more important than anything else. It's all played at the same level. Even yeah. if most of the most of what they're reporting is like utter bullshit. Yeah. Like, oh, he misspoke or oh, he said Kofifi in a tweet. Like, none of that matters. Tell me about policy. Tell me about like what's actually happening. Like, that could have with yeah, that's actually having repercussions for for people who are alive. Right. Well, if we do that, then they'll start connecting the dots and right. it's better to just feed them this uh, flavorless chum out of this bucket that looks like exciting news. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we see it. It's If it's not Trump, they find someone else because it's, you know, majorly tainted Gooch mm-hmm. now or I'm Marjorie, Major, Marjorie Taylor Green, I believe is her name, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. where she just has this whole cycle of like equivocating and talking, bringing up the Nazis and things. And that's how she gets in and was like, I can't believe you're talking about Nazis. And like, they found their little outrage button to push with her, even though it really has nothing to do with anything that's actually happening. But yeah, I mean, with Trump now, you know, the big headline was people from the Trump org getting, you know, in real legal trouble, getting detained, arrested, uh, real charges coming for them. Will they cooperate? We don't know. And he's, you know, doing his old, same old song and dance, which is, all right, let me throw a smoke bomb over here and get mm-hmm. people to talk about this other thing. So sure enough, he's now coming out here announcing that he will now be suing <laughs> basically Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, YouTube and Sundar Pichai, like everyone, like the companies wow. and their CEOs. Because if you remember, I don't know if you remember, he, he was he was going all off on social media, you know, saying all this stuff like the election was rigged. Remember? And then those people went to the Capitol to try to overturn the election. Slash remember that? Remember, remember, remember that? that? Remember? Remember? Remember that? Oh, well, six months ago. Right. Yeah. Right, right, because right. of that. Right. They rightfully were like, dude, this guy's gone, even though they should have done it ages before that. They they drew the line and now he's suing them. And. The th- but don't worry, you, th- you look at those companies, it goes, those are trillions of dollars worth of company right there. Like, are you what exactly is your plan? And he says it will go down as the biggest class action ever filed because thousands of people want to join. OK. And his whole idea is that if you've been canceled off of social media, that you will join this mm. and create this formidable army of litigants. Yeah, I mean, hell yeah, dude, it's about time somebody spoke up for the former president of the United <laughs> States. Yeah. That yeah, old playbook. Well, then I'm going to sue you. It's yeah. like, uh, you're going to sue Google and Facebook for. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh huh. I'm pretty sure that that'll work. But again, I think this is just another attempt banging sort of the same culture war drum for his constituents, members and his followers to be like, look, the mainstream media cancels us because we have opinions slash we tell lies to incite people this is nonsense. Look how, you know, how oppressed we are. And I mean, when you look at Don Jr.'s cameos recently, it's 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 hard to think that things are going well yeah. over mm-hmm. there in that family. He looks to me like I, I don't know how else to say it. Like his teeth look like they hurt to fit in his head. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Like just Don looking Jr. at his face. It's like, yeah, yeah. Or he's or he probably says shit to like Kimberly Guilford's like feels like my teeth are growing, Kim. Oh, they hurt. Oh god. <laughs> just, just rub some more blow on your gums, honey. All right, all right. I don't know. That scene, number. the moment that was caught on tape by him, I believe he was he was filming it of them backstage watching the insurrection while Gloria is playing and Kim mm-hmm. is dancing to Gloria and like they're just like out of their mind on blow, it would seem allegedly is like still so i i don't know i can't shake that moment somebody played gloria on the radio the other yeah. day like I, I was like getting out of the car and like when i disconnected my phone that was playing and i was like man i i, I almost feel like you can't play that song anymore after that <laughs> yeah it's only like, been a few months imagine like you know <sighs> 10 years from now a decade from now and just ptsd flashbacks of it's like oh god remember that in that almost successful insurrection if they, if they had been like organized any better like yeah. they might have gotten away with it yeah mm, yeah i mean i think again he's he, he needs to raise money this will help to just 
like, I guess that must, they must see some connection between being like, I'm a victim. And people are like, here, Patriot, save yeah. yourself. I milk a sheep. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting, too, though, is like since he's been banned from social media, Franklin Graham, the the preacher, has become like the most active and engaged social media account in, in MAGA world. Yeah. Like, so it's like watching where people are going now is also kind of interesting. But, yeah, it's still the same old shit. The other headline is that a, a new book is revealing that he told uh, John Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, his chief of staff, that Hitler did a lot of good things, which... Shouldn't be like we knew he kept a book of Hitler quotes on his bedside table. Like that was that was a detail in a 90s profile of him. Like he has not been trying to hide his his allegiance from day one. So Mm -mm. not shocking. Well, let's talk about another way that the right is feeling the pressure and and reacting like babies. There's this National Review article. It's like an op-ed that is arguing that because a new poll shows that people don't want to have sex with Trump supporters, that that is actually a civil rights issue. Yeah. But then it's kind of the article goes on and then it's sort of like you realize, oh, this was just like the hook to get you in on this other talking point. So it starts off again because it showed that Uh, People who don't support Trump are not likely to have sex with Trump supporters. Okay, and that's that was like to sort of kick the whole thing off. And he says, quote, this reveals the predilection among many young elite Americans for progressive authoritarianism, a belief system that justifies infringing rights to equal treatment or free speech in the name of emotional safety of historically marginalized race, gender and sexuality groups. In this left modernist worldview, conservatives, conservatives resistance to racial, gender and sexual progressivism mark them as moral deviants. As millennials take power, this generational earthquake is set to shake the foundations of the cultural elite to its core, leading to a pervasive discrimination against and censorship of conservative views. Hell yeah. And like, uh, oh, okay. And like, so through this, he points to like these different, like just really about this poll specifically, nothing really much more substantive than that. Also points about how in like Northern Ireland, some couples who are in like mixed Protestant Catholic relationships feel uncomfortable in certain places. So it's like, (laughs) okay, what what is your point? Then he also says, Says it talks brings up this other guy, Spencer Case, saying Spencer Case argues that those who politically discriminate are acting in precisely the same manner as those who justify prejudice against Muslims or Jews. It's all the same to them. It yeah. But that's it, so funny that they bring out the Irish thing because it's the, they were slaves, didn't you know? And, right. Yeah, they're trying <laughs> to find <laughs> an example of white people being discriminated against, and they have to go to fucking mixed Protestant Catholic relationships in Northern in Ireland. Northern Ireland. Yeah to like deal with it it's like yo like all of these groups that you're talking about are like uh even better examples of discrimination why aren't you talking about them huh mm. like what why doesn't discrimination against them count is it because their discrimination is based on them not being white is that right disqualifying hmm. it's, it's a it's a it's a hard it's a hard uh you know needle to thread in this case but then he hard pivots to this argument essentially about how the federal government needs to intervene to protect them uh, and how political ideology is under attack. And then so it's sort of like setting up. It's like, well, no one's going to fuck conservatives. And then look what happens to some people in Northern Ireland, all to say that the government must intervene and help to, you know, stem this like tide of progress because conservative people will be obliterated for being of a different time. I mean, I suggest that they just go fuck themselves. Right. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Just to yeah. that in. They're pretty uh, counterpoint. Go fuck it, yourself. It, it's weird. It's weird that like cons- the conservative ideology like always or it's kind of centered in sex and like who gets to have it and when mm-hmm. and why. Right. Like, you know, queer folks, obviously, ew, gay people. No, you know, ew, trans people. No. You know, and you go back just a couple decades and uh, black and white people no, no, oh, you know, gosh. interracial people no. But it's like we're we're demanding that people date us. We're demanding that people fuck us and equating it to a civil right and having the federal government intervene like th- that's I mean, that's kind of the, the like prime example of of like white privilege of <laughs> 
nobody that I know that is a reasonably socialized, aware person would even imagine to like utter those words like we should have the federal government intervene because we aren't getting laid enough. Yeah. Right. But I mean, this is this is like, I mean, when you look at sort of autopsies of the Trump movement, Gamergate was like when Bannon first started being like, maybe there's something here, even before he had settled on Trump as the person to exploit it. Gamergate, which was like the incels and people who hate women, like young men who hate women for not having sex with them were like an initial, like sort of the seed crystal to this whole idea that Bannon then decided to use Trump to exploit. So it all, it makes sense. I've just never seen them be this willing to like draw that out. And well, be this like, is, I mean, there's a little more. Fuck like, us. <laughs> well, there's, there, there is a guy who is essentially, who has argued, he's like an economist who said like, you know, if men don't have sex, they're just going to become murderers. So yeah. like, we need to figure that you out. You know, because that's Whereas exactly this, how that happens. This is more like, again, it's not saying that because they're not fucking, the federal government has to protect us. They're saying like the way this sort of argument said is like, they're not fucking us. The colleges are full of like liberals. And if this is the case, then what does this mean for conservatism? Meaning that because these universities are like bastions of of leftist thinking, that something has to be done to like right the scales, essentially, and not not specifically tied to sex. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I think y'all are doing okay considering all the fuckery that's going on in state houses as it relates to voting rights and things like that. I'm not, I don't, I don't see where conservatives are having trouble controlling things. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty wild. The National Review is the great, great arguments being made all around over there. There, there was another like op-ed recently in the National Review that was all about like discrimination against anti-choice like housewives, but it was like clearly written by somebody who'd never met the women that she was writing about. She was like, just because they're ugly and not in good shape, <laughs> and it's like, yo, what the fuck? This is the cruelest thing I've ever seen. Uh, I would written. love I would love somebody to like dig up the corpse of William F. Buckley and like sit him down, just reanimate him for 15 minutes so and like tell him, hey, so your paper, your thing, here's what they just published and like try and explain to him that that article. Right. Right. Exactly. And then they're just basically like, hold on. They're advocating for government intervention like they want bigger government. To solve this problem? Hold on. What happened here? This isn't our thinking. This isn't how we get down. Yeah. And just let him stroke out on. <laughs> on like. Meanwhile, most people be like, paper. yo, they reanimated a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, my God. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wanted to talk about residential schools. And this is, you know, an ongoing story that we're going to continue talking about on this show, but there's been a lot of coverage of the mass graves of, you know, indigenous people and children discovered on the grounds of former residential schools in Canada. And a lot of the coverage has treated it as a uniquely Canadian phenomenon. I think we even were like, God damn, this is like evil for Canada. Well, it turns out uh, America gave them the idea for Indian residential schools as early as 1819. The United States was institutionalizing indigenous genocide in the form of industrial schools and boarding programs. And then a Canadian prime minister sent a journalist down to like document it. And they basically imported it from America. They imported the idea and the ideology from America, which is not shocking. But this writer, Abigail Kirby Conklin, directly reached out and was like, yo, you guys should know that this is America is very complicit in this. Um, Yeah, America's superpower, one of them is just to point at a problem abroad and be like, I can't believe that's happening there. Meanwhile, you started this shit. Right. And just, yeah, and be able to put the focus on something else. I mean, yeah, whenever I'd read about it, I'm like, where are the stories about? Because, you know, the U.S. has a terrible track record. Uh, with indigenous genocide. So I'm curious when the media here begins to bring it up, but it takes takes a lot for, you know, corporate media here to begin to talk about history or how it relates to other countries. Yeah, yeah it, it's like if we if we just if we let it pass, nobody will know. 
they won't talk about it. So, like the the Catholic Church, we know as like a just a criminal institution, you know, from even when all of those like white kids were getting molested in Boston, right? Like they're a criminal organization that that has built an entire empire on like actual human misery and suffering. And it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that that the Pope or or many of these sort of like religious figures are like, well, you know, everybody's nobody's perfect <laughs> to kind of describe like murdering children and taking right. them from their families. And the fact that like a few of the the churches have burned down, people are like, oh my God, all of these churches. So it's like you're lucky that all that they came for was the building when you came for their children. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't we do so so much pearl clutching over like the protection of children, but here are mass graves of children. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, what do you expect? What do you want? It was a different time. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of the same now because we just it's it's just more technological and now it's about separating people and families and it's it it's the same energy. It's yeah. just manifesting in different ways. And even to your point, I mean, like there's a, a papal decree, you know, before the uh, colonization of the Americas where the Pope was like, hey, Spain, Portugal, go do your fucking thing over there. Enslave these people, convert them. That's your right. I'm the Pope. I'm out. Go do it. Like that is like the all of there's they go hand in hand with each other. Yeah. So I think the first episode that I that I was here with you guys on, like I was talking about my indigenous ancestry and like so that in itself, like sort of touches my history. I was I was mm -hmm. reading and, uh, you know, like a lot of the documentation that we have about the Mexica Empire, the, what people call the Aztecs, because the Aztecs were like a federation. They're, they weren't called. Aztecs, there were the Mexica, and there were several different tribes, and there were like a federation of communities. When when the Spanish came, like there's there's an account written by a Spaniard where it's like, well, we were welcomed into Tenochtitlan with like incense, Miko, because they thought we were gods, and it, it, like the the ego and the arrogance on top of that, and it's like th they didn't think you were gods. You smelled. You smelled like, you like did, shit. You, you didn't bathe. <laughs> you were filthy. <laughs> you were they, filthy. They had working sewage systems. They were essentially yeah. spraying you with Axe body spray on pond entry, <laughs> and you didn't get the hint. They perfume yeah. us like we are their like gods. we are stinky pieces of colonizer <laughs> shit. <laughs> and so, but it's like, but but it's like that's the record that right. it, that persisted that you know because a lot of the stuff was burned a lot of the stuff was destroyed and a lot of indigenous history tends to be oral or it tends to be passed down through stories storytelling so like the the catholic church giving giving spain and giving portugal permission to sort of like go to town go ham on you know my ancestors was like was part of that sort of that was part of that of that record keeping, I, I guess mm -hmm. it's like, you know, oh, these these people are are savages and these people are, you know, they had to they had to come up with a story to justify what they wanted to get done. Yeah. And it's tragic that like that is the story that gets passed down in schools or just like the top surface level of like history. So when when we talk about indigenous people or we talk about you know, sort of the the atrocities that happened to us, like there's just that topsoil level of like, well, you guys weren't even really civilized anyway. And, you know, well, you guys were just roaming around in the also, woods. Like Thanksgiving, like everyone yeah. chilled together. So I don't yeah. know what the problem is. Like, I think we were just more lit as a society yeah, and, than you guys. Yeah, it's happened. just sort of all of these, all of these yeah. like colonial sort of it's like well why didn't you why don't you just ask any of us like they're you know yeah go directly to the source it's not like it's not like we disappeared it's wild like that you talk about that because i remember one of my first like history classes in college was about iberian history so we we're talking about spain and you know colonization of the americas and things like that and i remember this is in college this person raised their hand when we were talking about indigenous people and they're being and then being forced conversions and things like that this person was so sincerely confused in this lecture class, raised their hand and out loud asked, well, didn't the indigenous people want to be converted to Christianity? Like as mm -hmm. if you could tell that this person's entire life was spent believing this one thing that they didn't think it was a hot take. They were sincerely confused in a class about the, you know, Americas. Yeah. That then they're saying, but I thought they 
wanted to. And you realize, yeah, that's that's a lot of the shit that we have to spend our time overcoming is these lies that we're told. Yeah. If that's your automatic perception of of native people pre-colonization, yeah, then nothing's a genocide. Then nothing's terrible. Then, then nothing yeah, exactly. is, uh, you yeah. know, a, a, a humanitarian crime. Yeah. We were doing them a favor. And the idea that all of these things are lost to history, like there are entire histories that are untranslated because nobody bothered to learn the languages and read them. And that it's also like this idea, like the, that idea that they are less advanced, that their civilizations were less advanced, like they, they were more advanced. They were cleaner. They had sewage systems. The only reason that they died is because of like there there was a lot of obviously like military brutality but it was they were weakened by plague like it was just the luck of the draw of the germ the germ theory that basically fucked them over and it was like 90% of the continent was depopulated and that's the reason not it's not that there was like better much better technology or yeah, because, yeah, like, it literally, they, like, m the Mexica Empire built an island. They built an island in yes. the middle of a lake for, to, like, the epicenter of trade. Like, yeah. I don't know how you get more advanced than that. Yeah. Oh, uh, how about shitting your doubloons <laughs> on a ship? Or, the, or you know, the, the folks in, like, Arizona and New Mexico who, like, you know, built cities into the, into the, the mountains. Walls, yeah, the walls, like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many sites and structures and things we'll never know about because they were because they were dismantled because they were destroyed and like our the lifestyle was for every for every uh, obviously i'm not going to speak for for every every indigenous person or, or wherever they come from but like lifestyles were just different that you know like these sort of permanent massive structures to like pat yourself on the back of how awesome you are didn't exist for a lot of people like you know uh, mm. some people were nomadic some people were sort of like oh we have we you know we go where the we follow the food like like just doing any sort of actual research that like or oral history that's been that's been written and documented by other indigenous people like there's there's so much to learn and there's so much like when you truly understand like how fucked over we were in terms of like jack was saying like Yes, the smallpox devastated the population, but there were also government programs, both from Spain, both from Portugal and the and the United States, like the intentionally killing buffalo to starve natives, mm -hmm. you know, being able to these residential schools, literally being able to purchase native children like for ten dollars. The Like it's multifaceted in, in the way that the genocide occurred. And is still going because of because of like uh, I know you know people on the Navajo Nation like who don't have clean water like they don't have running water they don't have sh uh, paved roads in a lot of places like the U.S. government like literally it, it, like killing them out of neglect yeah because it was sort of like oh you want to be your own autonomous nations fine go ahead but don't ask us for anything yeah yeah you know, and it's like sure we took of, all of this all of yeah. this away from me and told you we were going to pay you for it but right we're just going to stick you over here and let you do your own thing right we'll pass we'll get that check to you sometime yeah yeah america doesn't remember because it doesn't want to remember because yes. this is the dna of america is that so they incarcerated thousands of indigenous children like we still have a country that is built on mass incarceration there's the imprisonment of migrants along our border with Mexico uh, during World War II. Like, it's just repeating structures within American society that we don't want to examine and fix because that's how the society works, essentially. But with specifically with indigenous people, it's really like just go fucking go look up Cahokia and the they built a striped mountain that was like made of various colors of soil and clay that they had brought from like hundreds of miles away in St. Louis that like put the great pyramid of Giza or the pyramids in Egypt to shame and the reason that like you've never heard of that 
is because they were about to build a fucking parking lot on it when somebody realized what was happening. Cahokia was like the biggest city in the world during the 1200s. And America systematically and intentionally doesn't want to honor these histories because they were erased for a reason. And, you know, that there's still a lot of America's ideals that are that are tied up in the reasons that it was erased and why you never learned how advanced indigenous civilizations were. But it's actively being ignored. It's actively being written out of the news, out of history. And people just aren't bothering to study this stuff because it, it kind of contradicts, you know, the central American ideal, I guess. Exceptionalism. Uh, exceptionalism. You can't be exceptional if you're mediocre in comparison yeah. to the indigenous people that you're... You just moved into a, like, apocalyptic society and, like, moved into people's houses like fucking Goldilocks and started, like, just pretended like you did all the work yourself yeah anyways we will continue to cover that as america hopefully deals with its own history of residential schools i mean it's wild to think there's more of a concerted effort to not teach history at the moment oh yeah and you know like that's taking up so much space especially on the conservative side is this whole you know like when you especially as it relates to critical race theory that's not even being taught in elementary schools but it's there. They know that it on, on the subconscious of a lot of conservatives. They know it's like, don't talk about the, the terrible stuff, because then that 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 sort of helps bolster the arguments that we are backwards and we need to change. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back, and let's talk about the NYPD. Turns out they're cool after all, and if they weren't, why would they have a truck with their logo next to a Captain America and friggin' Wolverine, you guys? And that that truck is designed to draw children in. Has Disney okayed the use of this Marvel IP? On this I, truck? It's a great question. That's I'm going to hit up question. Disney. I'm going to let them know right now. I'm like, I don't know if you are part of this, but they got your characters straight up on this thing. Yep. it's they, But it's outfitted with a Switch, a PS5, Xboxes, and the the goal is basically to... They, they actually haven't said what the goal is, which is a little bit suspicious. One would presume that they're going to say the goal is to just like improve community outreach, uh, improve their image with like whatever neighborhood they happen to be driving this van to. Um, but people have pointed out that the NYPD has a long and problematic history with, you know, finding ways to lift DNA from children. Like one one time the NYPD bought a kid a McDonald's drink and then once they were done questioning him, lifted a lifted his straw and used it to gather DNA evidence. His DNA didn't match the crime scene that they were investigating, but they still kept it in a database without with no right. Like the the family had to like petition to get it removed. And Yeah, didn't they didn't they also like recently like set up bikes? specifically to see who would steal them yeah didn't they set up a sting operation like that sounds like them sounds like like that failed so let's how else how else do we get kids how else do we you know yeah yeah just just create opportunity for people who are doing crimes of desperation yes and then we'll exploit that yeah one of the favorites of sheriff joe arpaio they kept a database containing fingerprints of thousands of children who are charged as juvenile delinquents they keep another database of juvenile mugshots uh, specifically for facial recognition, despite the fact that facial recognition tech has a higher risk of false matches. So and, are they saying like these trucks are like they got what are they trying to like? They're like, oh, yeah, look into the Xbox Connect camera to do this. And like, got your facial information. Got yeah. your fa- like, is that it's is, just people are suspicious. Uh, one sure. New York public defender specifically said, do not get in this truck, period. <laughs> She said, as a public defender, I've represented kids as young as 15 whose DNA was surreptitiously collected by 
NYPD, like from a can of soda, or a used straw, or a bag of chips. One civil rights attorney and former public defender mentioned that using bogus community outreach programs to, quote, groom informants and mine children for information about their family members and neighbors is also not uncommon. And then and that if this venture was really about providing harmless activities for young people to engage in, there would be no need for police involvement. And that really that's it. Right. Like, why? Why do you need the police? Why does it need to be an official police program if you're just trying to, like, give them a fun thing to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could just pay for it and be like, hey, brought to you by the (laughs) pigs. You know what I mean? Like, just do that and let people go, you know, rent games or some shit. Yeah. And it says a lot, too, about like just the state of policing in general, like even even assuming I'm going to be naive as fuck and say, oh, or maybe they're just trying to do a right, a, a good thing for the community like that. The fact that there's so much suspicion and the fact that there have been so many other incidents of them just being shady towards children and like setting up kids in this way, like you said, for informants and 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 like for collecting their DNA like that. Even in the the absolute best, most positive case scenario that they were only doing it just to provide something for the kids, for the children, Mm -hmm. it still says a lot about your reputation and like how much damage you've actually done and what you need to atone for. Right. Oh, yeah. Let's also not forget about the two cops who pled out of a rape charge of a teenage girl who they picked up after a drug bust. They claim to have had, quote, consensual sex with her. I mean, that's, it's legal for cops to do that, and I think, yeah. in 17 states. In the back yeah. of a police van. Yep. And, like, and I think in COs, too. Yeah. And the cops got away with not jail time. So these are just not people you want in charge of your children. No, you know, of anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is, and it's just so transparent. Like, on its face, you're like, man, after, I mean, we got, we got some PR work to do. You know, like they they know how terrible their image is because they know the bullshit that they're doing. So they have to go so hard on literally like a busted ass X-Men game truck to try and, you know, get these kids to see a different version of reality or be like or have their first memory not be some, you know, police officer telling you to hold up real quick. Come over here. Where are you going? Let me pat you down. And it's more like, hey, man, have you played the new Assassin's Creed? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm, see, the cops are cool. Now, you can tell us if uh, someone in your community is, you know, dealing drugs out of uh, lack of opportunity, right? Dime them out to us. Great. Uh, finally, let's talk about Shikari Richardson, who has been basically, she she won't be going to the Olympics at all. U.S. track and field only had a cowardly statement to make, basically saying that, oh, my God, we, we feel so bad for her, but we can't do anything. Sorry. Yeah. It it's, sound it's, like, they sound like Democratic mayors and governors. Just yeah, like, yeah, 100%. We, oh, we get it. We're so oh, sorry. We, so our hearts, we get it. We, we're hurting, too, but there's just there's nothing we can do. There's but you know what? We, w- we can do. We will smoke a blunt at the opening ceremony to honor her, <laughs> um, and that's what we will do. But it really is on this shit of like, we get it. It's so bad. And you know what? We, you know, we're, we, it's so outdated, but you know, our hands are tied, you know, cause we're tied to this other charter. And they said, quote, so while our heartfelt understanding lies with Shakari, we must also maintain fairness for all of the athletes who attempted to realize their dreams by securing a place on the Olympic team. You know, mm. we can't black lives matter. You guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we could, we could forgive student debt, but then it's not fair to all the other people who's who had to toil through the yeah. same fucked up system. You, you kind of see where we're at. Our hands are tied. And it's just like these fucking dumb guidelines, these bylaws and shit. Again, relics of failed racist policy. U.S. drug policy was exported throughout the world, especially through like these international drug treaties we have with other countries that creates this like global, you know, understanding of like marijuana is bad. And that's the environment in which the World Anti-Doping Agency has to operate in, because if all these there's all these multinational treaties about about marijuana being illegal, then how the fuck are they going to go run afoul of that? But it's just wild. Like Americans are so past this idea of, you know, the druggy stoner that ruined their life to start a daily podcast or whatever, (laughs) that even 
the red states now are realizing what time it is and they're passing laws to legalize recreational weed. And they're probably in it for the tax revenues. Let's be real. But on the same time, clearly their, their calculus has changed to be like, I mean, what's what's really going to happen? We'll just make money. That's it. Right. And yeah, I mean, she's 21. So she's got she's got a she's got a career ahead of her. But I hope this is like the if you know, if I'm writing a script, this is like the beginning of one of the most dominant careers in track and field history, which I would love to see. But at the very least, hopefully she can be the last person who had to deal with this nonsense and discriminatory, you know, anti-doping policy. Yeah. What's Biden say about this? What's Joe Biden? Oh, you know, Joe, he seems, you know, Joe, you know, you know how he 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 keeps a 100 for the for the people of color in this community. He said the rules are the rules. Hey, that's literally what his he said. Yeah, I feel for. But, you know, the rules Rules are the rules. rules, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Buddy. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, if you look at other leagues in the U.S., uh, baseball, hockey, the NHL, uh, NFL, they, basketball, M- like NBA, they they're coming around to realizing like, yeah, we should probably relax some of these things. Like, it's not like people are playing better and we're just kind of not allowing people to be human and do things that are legal in the states in which they reside. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very frustrating. So, yeah, because you couldn't even make they wouldn't even put it on the relay team and but if you watch, there was a there's a, a segment on MSNBC this morning where they were talking about it, like, oh, my God, it's so dated. And then they had someone come on to like basically be like, but don't worry, like, it's still going to be really cool. America's going to still do really good uh-huh. at track. Don't worry. Like, that's like, let's yeah, forget yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. just did that. Let's focus on what's ahead to the games where people are displaced constantly. So we can make money. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Derek, as always, such a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you guys. Where can people find you and follow you? I just started just started a TikTok. I'm 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 mostly viewing though there. Like I like learning from the Zoomers. I like from the <laughs> from the Gen Zers. They got a lot to say and I'm here for it. <laughs> but find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at my name at Derek Lemos, two R's I C K. Lemos like lemons, but no N. Yeah, yeah. Uh and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? I mean, I'm going to I'm going to take it back to that TikTok there. So, you know, just kind of reframing historical moments and, and providing a lot of context. Some of these creators, fabulous. Like, why go to college when you can when you can <laughs> learn from them, especially when they like basically give you the sources? Yeah, it's a it's a okay. free uh, it's like a condensed version of the people's history. Ooh. Nice. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the other pod for 20 Day Fiance, talking 90 Day. And the like, a tweet that I like is from Danny Fernandez at Miss Danny Fernandez saying, My therapist hates all the people I hate. <laughs> <laughs> and that means you're, you're giving your good, unbiased opinion to your therapist. Shout out to, <laughs> t- shout out to all therapists who hear about that. Oh, man, this person. Oh. Uh, tweet I liked, Brian Duff tweeted, I stand for the flag. I kneel for the cross. Yes, I sit yes. for the movie where the baby is boss. <laughs> uh, oh, hell shit. yeah. Get that tatted. And Augustus Viveros tweeted, I'm Boston sober. And then in parentheses, an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> oh, here's, uh, do, you, do you guys watch The Sopranos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or did you say, okay, there's, uh, this is Dial H for Haggai. To the tune of Eleanor Rigby, Tony Soprano, New Jersey mobster who cares for the ducks by the pool, <laughs> loves Gabagool. <laughs> so good. Oh, shit. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram, and we have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, Miles, what song are we sending them to today? This track is called Flowers by Andrew Ashong and Theo Parrish. And it's just a really dope track. It's like eight minutes and 46 seconds, but it's just got this really great chorus. And the rhythm kind of reminds us of some like New Orleans kind of tipatina percussion vibes. So again, 
Another track to play nice and easy, just to, you know, elevate the room, elevate the vibes wherever you're listening to them. So I encourage you to check it out. Again, this is Flowers by Andrew Ashong and Theo Parrish. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And hey, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.